Michael Battaglia, thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm really well. How are you doing, Matt? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So, founder of Cousin Hemp, let's tell the people a little bit about what Cousin Hemp is for those who don't know. Sure. Um, Cousin Hemp is a hemp foods company that makes foods that look just like what's already on the shelves, but predominantly made out of hemp seeds. I'm okay. trying to make it really easy for people to switch from eating what they're currently eating to start eating more hemp. Okay, perfect. What do you see as like a, a switch there? Like what could someone be using in their salads or yogurt or smoothies that is an easy transition to use hemp instead? Totally. Um, so like for salads, I make these little things called hemp crunchies. They're just like whole roasted hemp seeds. They're seasoned up and flavored like a crouton might be. Mm. Um, and adding them to salads adds like a ton of complete protein and like a lot of crunch. Um, it's, it's a much more palatable experience in my opinion, actually sometimes like salads, like feel, you know, a little bit too chewy. Um, and then like, there's a ton of hemp granolas out there. Hemp hearts, um, are really easy for people to kind of throw into basically anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and just okay. like kind of have a more filling and satiating experience. Yeah, because before I had heard of Cousin Hemp, I the, the only hemp seed products that I had seen were all hemp hearts. Like, And a hemp heart is essentially a de-shelled hemp seed. So it's just the inner part of the hemp seed, um, which is really easy to put in smoothies, and, and it's marketed in a similar way, salad topper, all these different things. I'm a big texture guy too, so like I do need crunchy things in my salads. I haven't, I didn't try to put your hemp seeds in a salad. So I got the barbecue flavor. I enjoyed those a lot, but I just had them as like a snack, just like corn nuts. I like corn nuts and kind of just similar, similar situation there. Um, but so that's interesting. I'm going to have to try them with the salad. So I got two bags and I've been doing the pop-ups, the hemp pop-ups all over the place. And uh, I have one of the bags that I bought from you on the table. And so I'm using that as kind of like my hemp food example. Uh, and people are, it's weird because some people are like surprised that you can eat hemp seed. It's like you can eat it. I don't know if there's any seeds that you can't eat really. I guess like apple seeds, there are some, but people are like surprised that you can eat the hemp seed. So it's yeah, like, yeah, um, that's like what I'm kind of pushing back against, like doing sample days and stuff like that. You know, it seems like certain demographics are like, I don't eat hemp, you know, or like you don't eat hemp. Um, but yeah, totally. It should just be viewed like any other seed that is consumed, um, you know, by itself. And like hemp seeds have been legal for consumption since like the seventies in the United States and basically forever in Canada. Um, so they're, I'm surprised that there still is an aversion against hemp, but, um, I think in the next like 10 years, that'll begin to wash away as hemp is used for like all sorts of everyday applications, you know? So let's yeah. take a couple steps back and uh, go a little bit over just like your origin story, your experience in big ag and kind of what made you start cousin hemp. Cool. Um, so the very beginning, I guess um, my family was involved in produce. They were like produce distributors in the Northeast. So growing up, I was just always around fresh fruit and vegetables and like seeing this produce warehouse, it's like stacks and stacks of lemons and oranges and watermelons, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so food was always like very energizing for me and I love to be around it. Um, like a lot of family dinners and just like things focused around food. And um, 
I had, uh, I always kind of said that I wanted to like have some sort of small batch food company, but I, I didn't take any action towards that during college. And then after college, um, my friend's father was involved in a company that was dealing with this chemical called chlorine dioxide. And uh, they were looking at having applications for this company to treat like produce microbes to make produce last longer. And this chemical actually has like pretty much zero residual. It's, it's a whole lot more friendly than bleach um, and other chemicals that are used in the food trade. So it was pretty attractive to me. Um, so I agreed to go work for that company. And shortly after that, we got this big project in Iowa, which was dealing actually with avian influenza, which like remarkably just popped up again in the United States. So, okay. um, I think in the first round of avian influenza, like 30 million birds died. Uh, we'll see what happens this time around. Damn. Um, so I was just doing, you know, this everyday sort of, um, research slash technical project that was dealing with treating water on chicken farms with the hope that these birds would live longer with less like stress bacteria in their systems, basically make it easier for them to like produce eggs. Um, and this really opened my eyes to like understand what agriculture is and why industrial agriculture is needed. If we're going to like feed all these people, um, mm -hmm. and do it in some sort of a confined space, you know, like about like 150,000 birds live in one of these barns and there's like 20 to 30 of these barns stacked up next to each other. Okay. So like to think if these birds just lived on the ground, it would be, you know, consuming a whole lot of space. Um, mm -hmm. and then like, Driving around Iowa, you see these cornfields and these soybean fields and these grain elevators and like you see the prep for these fields, which is just like covering them in nitrogen because of the monoculture just extracts all the nutrients out of the soil that's really needed for these plants to grow. Mm -hmm. So you see just these, like tanker trucks spraying things everywhere. And then when the fields are planted, you see aerial pesticide planes and you say like, okay, this is totally insane that we do this. But at the same time, like, you know, there's 350 million people in the country and there's 7 billion people around the world. The whole world is uh, buying grain from this part of the country. So like you begin to understand that, like what's happening here, though it seems totally crazy, is probably necessary, mm. you know? So um, yep. the combination of that, and seeing the birds living the way they live, which is like mostly in cages, even when you see uh, free range or, you know, whatever they say in the egg cartons nowadays or the chicken yeah. packages, like they're still pretty much in cages. Um, and uh, right around that same time, hemp began, began to be uh, legalized with the 2018 Farm Bill. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay, you know. Um, I was already sort of interested in hemp just from like taking, um, I guess like, uh, contrary, like approach to like what's going on. You know, like I think any hempster is like, Oh wow. Like this stuff's wrong. This has to be better. These guys are doing this while they ban this, this is obviously a better application. So like my head just started to wrap around hemp. Um, and like, I truly believe that, um, 
the applications that we use corn and soybeans for, you know, really could be transferred to hemp and we wouldn't see that big of a, um, the change, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, we grow a hundred million acres of corn and soybeans in basically in Iowa and, um, like 80 million of those acres are used to feed cattle, pigs, and chickens. And now we see the studies coming out that hemp is actually a more favorable food source for these animals. So it's like, okay, um, if hemp doesn't require all these chemical inputs and it's, these chemicals aren't going to get in the water um, and carbon is going to be sequestered, soil is going to be helped. It's like, why don't we switch here? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, no, it makes sense. It's, when I was just in Colorado for NOCO uh, last month, I heard, I forget who it was, but they said there's 150 million acres in the United States being grown for corn and soy. When, when someone just hears that, like, I don't know anything about big agriculture. I just assume like, oh, wow, like that's all going to food products. But a lot of that is going to feed cows, pigs, chickens, and create ethanol. Like, that's mm -hmm. not something that people think about. It's just like, oh, we're growing corn, we're eating it. Whereas then you look at, okay, how can hemp replace these things? Obviously, the hemp ethanol is, is uh, a, a potential solution there. But to stick on just like animal feed, it's something that the FDA is not even allowing right now in terms of feeding hemp to animals. Like each state is, is having to do their own um, – set up their own guidelines around how to do this. So Montana was the first one to do it. And now Pennsylvania is kind of setting – talking about setting something up there. Um but there's a company in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. It's under the brand Chickie's Creek, and they're they got a um, I forget like what the term with the FDA is called, but special permit or allowance through the FDA to feed their laying hens a meal that contains like 20% hemp seed. So they got that approval. No one else can do this in Pennsylvania. Only them right now. Uh, and the eggs are higher in pretty much every single other like nutritious. Uh, aspect of the egg is higher because of this feed that these eggs are getting. So it's like the data is there. There's a study out of Kansas state uh, that came out recently that they fed cows full hemp plants, like high CBDA hemp plants, not just seed. Um, mm -hmm. And it reduces cortisol levels and increases digestion and all these things. So it's like this start, all these studies are starting to come out, but there seems to still be an aversion to allowing it on a federal level. And I don't know if it's like, uh, an uneducation thing or if it's like a conspiracy of different industries like trying to prohibit it um so it's a, i mean yeah. you can go either way there um, but yeah well like first off like there are definitely a lot of good people in the fda and usda that have interest in this stuff and they're willing to um partake in studies and direct grant money to organizations like those folks in pennsylvania and um, to universities to begin studying this stuff because they are interested. Um, and I think it takes a lot of those studies and a lot of um, proof to make a big change. Um, and no doubt the big guys that, you know, handle all the corn and handle all the soybeans don't want that to happen. But um, with enough proof and with enough time and with enough push from consumers and proof that consumers will begin to um, utilize that food source, no doubt there could be change, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and even, even all those corn and soy farmers, it's like just one rotational crop of hemp a year would end up, 
you know, they replenish their soil at the same time as yeah. they're growing something that they then can have byproducts of, whether it's a, a grain variety or they just sell it to a processor for fiber or the herd. Like it's mutually beneficial for really everyone involved for them to just cycle one crop of hemp in. So yeah, I think um, yeah. it's like a, a level of education well, and just awareness around it. Totally. And like, the reason corn and soybeans work in Iowa is because they have these co-ops set up. So like every 30 miles, there's a co-op that uh, benefits the farmers, benefits uh, the commodities traders, benefits the economic argument to continue growing these crops there. You know, so mm. in order to have hemp become part of uh, cross rotation for planting, like these co-ops just need to begin processing hemp. You know, and then it's like, hey, farmer, uh, this is your third year planting corn in this field. Let's take a year off and plant some hemp. Here's what we expect to happen to your soil. Mm. And getting a geneticist involved and getting, you know, the hemp professionals involved to, like, take this, process it, and bring it to market is the real barrier there. You know, yep. because, like, these farmers aren't going to change what they do um, unless someone's going to come in and, like, help them do it. You know, these farmers get contracts from their buyer. They get the seed, they get the pesticides, they get the grant or they get the loan to buy their John Deere tractor um, and then they execute and like they're good at it. So um, it takes some big group to say, hey, Farmer John, let's go do this. Here's your mm -hmm. seed. Here's your genetics. Here's what you need to spray on your fields. And here's the piece of equipment you need to plug into your John Deere tractor to process yeah, because all those parts, when it comes to hemp, is very fragmented right now. Like, there's nothing, to my understanding, there's no group like that for hemp right now. Um, yeah, I don't know um, exactly, like, who, if there's an American group that does that. I know there is a big geneticist group out of Europe that um, has gotten really good at growing hemp for the seed size and the fiber. So, mm -hmm. like, that's the that's the goal that um, a hemp crop could be used for both seed and fiber, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. um, just so like the one field or the one harvested acre per square foot um, is producing more than one byproduct. Yep. And yeah. Like that, that's really the beauty of hemp. The whole plant can be utilized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yep, there are sure. vertically integrated hemp companies in Europe that do that, you know, and they produce food, they produce fiber for the textiles industry, mm -hmm. you know, wood chips for the building industry. Like yep. that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which is all kind of slowly getting a lot of traction in the United States now. Um, so nice. Cool. Um, appreciate that background. So let's get, let's kind of get back to cousin hemp. And so your experience in Iowa encourages you to, to kind of get, um, back to kind of like your family roots in a food product and start your own product. And, so this was right in the beginning of, of COVID, right? Right around the beginning of the pandemic that you kind of took the leap and started Cousin Hemp? Yeah. So uh, what was that totally. like? <laughs> so, wow. Um, yeah, that was pretty stressful. That was like, wow, okay, like you, you can just do this, you know? Like you can go start a company and people are going to come flock to your website and buy your products. Yeah. Um, I was so wrong. And um, – <laughs> I started making basically a protein product and a coffee product thinking that like 
those were two things that hemp could benefit. I made a product with coffee and raw hemp seeds. Same thing that you see in cows was happening when you consume this coffee. Cortisol levels were brought down. You didn't get the jitters. It was a better experience. Mm-hmm. Um, then protein, like a lot of podcasters were talking about the benefits of hemp protein. So I was like, okay, another no-brainer, you know. Um, and... I like went through all the hoops and dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's. And I like had a legitimate company relatively quickly. Um, And I had like all this product that I put in these brown bags with these little stickers and just like, I wasn't very proud of it. Um, They were good, but I couldn't seem to sell it very effectively. And um, so it was pretty discouraging to start, but um, then that was a coffee product. Yeah, that was a coffee and a protein product, two different products in two different categories, um, okay. which advisors would tell you not to do. Mm, so okay. uh, making mistakes early on. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a necessary evil. I had all this raw hemp seed that I wasn't like totally using because I wasn't selling enough coffee. So I uh, began to use that in different ways, made a whole bunch of different products and like kind of sample them out to people in my neighborhood and like people on like the main drags of Austin and determined that these hemp crunchies were the best thing that I could sell. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, then like a whole lot of like recipe work and like figuring out what the best oils were for the human body and also for taste and longevity of the seed and, um, like seasonings and stuff. And, um, then again, like switching the names and you spend so much time starting a business, you know, like figuring out, thinking about names and thinking about taglines and BS, which is like totally useless mm-hmm. um, until you have something good, you know? Yep. Yeah. So, it doesn't matter what the name is at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but so with Cousin Hemp though, the tagline that you did come up with is awesome. Like I like it a lot. Father time, mother nature, Cousin Hemp. Father time, Mother Earth, Cousin Hemp. Mother Thank, Earth. Thank okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. And so like, that's still changing, you know? That might be a little bit too, like, far out for a lot of people, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, it's just dependent on, on how you put it out into the market. Like, it, that's a, that's a, it makes sense. Like, when you say that, you're like, oh, Cousin Hemp. Like, I literally... I was at a dispensary with my pop-up booth talking to someone about your product, and... I, she was interested in it and I was like, Oh, just check it out. Like go to cousinhemp.com or whatever the website was on the package. And she's like, Oh, I don't have my phone. And then, so I said, well, just remember father time, mother earth, cousin hemp. She was like, wow, that's perfect. Like I'll remember that. And so it makes sense too. Like, I, I mean, you, you, it'll, you'll struggle to find someone like more passionate about just all aspects of the plant than I am. So I like it a lot because it makes a lot of sense. Like those three, it, it's real. Like we've been using hemp for thousands of years. We got a little gray period there for like the past 80 years, but now we're coming back and it's like, that was how it was used. Like it was integrated into every aspect of our life. And so let's, let's bring that back. And it takes people like you making body has an endocannabinoid system, you know, that is like remarkably similar to the things that are in hemp seeds. Mm. So we find hemp in Mesopotamian ruins. We find hemp in Egyptian ruins, medieval Europe. Like, it's like, okay, this plant has been with us for a very long time. And 
the two proteins that are in hemp seeds, albumin and edestin, are very, very, very aligned with the two main proteins that are in blood plasma. So the, the most abundant protein in blood plasma is albumin, which is the second most abundant in hemp seeds. And then globulin is the second most abundant protein in blood plasma. And that is like the same exact shape as edestin. So okay. um, multiple so layers of cousin hemp, you know? Yeah. And so I have no yeah. idea about biology and all these things. What does that mean? Is it, is it basically just like a more bioavailable protein or? Yeah, totally. So like, um, at a high level, I'm an idiot, by the way, I don't know anything about biology, but I've read <laughs> a lot about hemp and I'm beginning to like get further into all the food because I need to be ready for these questions. Mm -hmm. So like at a high level for me to understand, um, there's two main types of proteins in our food, structural and globular collagen and keratin, which like you see as buzzwords, buzzwords in the market, like are those two and they come from beef and they help like your skin, your eyes, the elastic parts of your body, like muscles and joints. And then the globular proteins are like the proteins that are in your blood and your blood plasma. So like those types of things help your immune system and your endocrine system and like antibody generation. So it's very easy to imagine that the proteins that are in your blood plasma are more easily absorbed than the proteins that are in your muscles and things like that. So mm -hmm. exactly more bioavailable. Okay, cool. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. 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 There's a lot, it's, it's, there's an aspect of, uh, there's, there's all these like health food crazes all the time and keto and, or just plant-based and all these things. Like yeah. I'm mostly plant-based, but I, I don't like label my diet. I just eat, mostly whole foods and mostly fruits and vegetables and uh, something like and me throughout the day too. I like to, uh, you know, if I'm, if I've been working for a little bit, I want to take a little break, have a quick snack, get some fuel in me. And sometimes it's not something that's like super healthy. Maybe it'll be like some chips and hummus or something. It's like mm -hmm. this having the hemp seed, I had them just like on my table and it was an easy, like quick snack. And then it, it makes you feel better knowing that, you know, there's, there's nothing bad in this. There's like very little sugar uh, and it's just protein, vitamin E, these omega fatty acids and like the perfect ratio that they're supposed to be to be absorbed, all these other micronutrients. It's like a very quality snack. When you think, when I think like snack, I think like unhealthy foods, kind of like a satisfying or craving. Um, that's definitely not yeah. a situation with hemp seed. It's like a very healthy snack. Totally. And like um, developing something that is indistinguishable from what's already out there so people can just maybe start to eat healthier was my goal. You mm -hmm. know, like, okay, just swap out these Lay's potato chips barbecue flavor for these barbecue hemp seeds. And like, you're going to have better digestion. You're going to eat less. Munch on them all you want, but like you are going to feel full earlier because of all those things that you just mentioned. Like mm -hmm. the fatty acid profile of hemp seeds is very much ideal for the human body because of how much omega threes are in hemp seeds. And like your body and your mind will continue to shovel food down your mouth, throat until you feel as if you've gotten enough nutrients. So, um, People are more likely to feel more full more quickly while they're eating hemp seeds because it's so nutrient dense that they're like, okay, my body's gotten what it needed. I can put these down now. 
So mm-hmm. like one of these little bags, you know, like though it's just two and a half grams is like three snacking sessions, you know? Yeah. If I bought something from the gas station or convenience store, it's not likely to make it out of the parking lot. You know, I'm just like dousing those little, you know, those little like twisted up Cheeto things and all that. You know, I love that <laughs> stuff. And like that stuff tastes good to me, but like yeah. I ruin my day if I eat that. If I have mm-hmm. like a couple handfuls of Cheez-Its, my day's screwed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm you know, the like same I way. Eat handfuls of these. You yep. know, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just I was just gonna say I'm the same way. It is uh it like the bag that I that I did have it it was a couple sessions of uh of snacking and it's and it's funny because you don't really ever think about that but like when I think back to like any snack it's way easier to overindulge on those things like you said that have no nutritional benefit at all it's so much easier to eat that whole bag or whatever it is like four serving like the whole quart of ice cream or whatever it might be like it's so much easier to do that uh, and it's weird like. I I never really sat and like thought about that. Um, Yeah. Well, you know what? The thing is a lot of people have sat and thought about how to make you do that. Mm, Yeah. You know, like this is not an accident. Mm -hmm. Um, They, whoever they are, the people that create (laughs) those food products, food scientists and the marketers for those companies have so many back pocket cards they're pulling out to get you to keep munching on those things. And like, um, almost gets you addicted to them, uh, mm-hmm. which is sounds extreme, but, uh, it's not. Yeah. And, um, it's like a yeah, conscious a choice, bummer, but like, yeah, it's your choice. It's totally your choice, but like we all fall to, you know, a bag of goldfish over, uh, like a handful of dates or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, like, it's a conscious choice to make, to grab the hemp seeds instead of the Cheetos. Like, and as you get more accustomed to making that choice, like your brain starts to be like, oh, this is just what we do. Like we go for that. It's there's reasons why we feel yeah. better X, Y, Z and all these things. So what are you doing uh, specifically to try to get the word out? And I know you've been working on getting hemp seeds in a lot of people's hands, going out with a campaign and, and doing the whole thing. So what are kind of your strategies around promoting the product and, and getting it out in the market? Yeah. Um, well, I think first off is like, getting the product in places where people who are already choosing Lay's potato chips and like giving them an option is most important to me, you know? So okay. like, I'm trying to get this into the world of convenience stores the best I can. So people both uh, who make healthy choices and health- unhealthy choices have the ability to make a healthy choice. That still tastes mm-hmm. good. Um, so first and foremost, my sales campaign has been towards convenience stores. And then um, I, for the last couple of days, I've had to not do uh, this exercise, um, but for the prior 15, I've been trying to go out and give a bag of hemp seeds to somebody uh, random on the street every day who might not uh, already know that hemp is super healthy. So like, um, I had like a little video in my pocket, my camera going and like, it would just be recording the environment and audio and sometimes would grades across the person's face. Um, and it would just be like, Hey, did you know hemp seeds have more protein than chicken? Or like, did you know there's more omega threes per ounce in hemp seeds than salmon? And like, 
it, people would give funny responses or, you know, I would just go out and give hemp seeds to um, the homeless population. And that was totally enjoyable for me, like way more enjoyable than um, giving it to some person that doesn't want to be talked to, you know, mm-hmm. AirPods in. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had to stop because like, I've been engaging with some PR firms and some like branding type companies. And they said that that was a nightmare. Um, hmm. then they proceeded to say, oh yeah, it's 5,000 bucks a month to work with us. So it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, of course this is a nightmare, you know? Um, so I'm going to get though? back to doing that and like do less recording of others. Okay. All right. Cause that's what I was going to ask. Like, just because someone could do something unpredictable and cause a problem or like, I don't like to be recorded, I guess, like without my consent, you know, like, I don't like the idea of someone just like filming me, um, without me knowing. So, um, okay. I'm trying to be more cognizant of that and more, Mm -hmm. but it's really fun. And like, people seem to enjoy it. And when I, I will never post something without telling the person that this was recorded, you know? Um, and like the, Nine times out of 10, they don't mind, but, um, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. I I was enjoying those. Like I, it's, it's a unique, very like grassroots way in your community to go out and spread awareness around like your product and the benefits of seed in general. So that's, uh, yeah. We'll see what the next, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Good to know. So I'm curious, like I, have a background in sales before I got into like cannabis and hemp stuff. I'm curious how you got into seven 11, like what the process was like th- with that. Cause I mean, you think like seven 11 massive, probably not just in the United States, like huge chain, big win. Like what was that process? Like, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so totally like seven 11. Um, I have a lot of admiration for after spending some time there the past couple of weeks. And, um, the cool thing about 7-Eleven and dealing with the franchise owners is that they are judging you off of you. They're not saying, how many Instagram followers do you have? What's your mm-hmm. website look like? They are reading your passion and your drive, and they are just totally dealing with you as a human standing in front of them in their store. You know, mm-hmm. and like they're going to make their judgment on how often that you are going to come and do samples in their store, how often you're going to come and dress up the shelf. So your stuff looks good, you know? So in a way it was, um, the easiest sale I've had into a convenient slash grocery store, but, um, that's just the beginning. Then you have to have people pick up the seeds off the shelves and bring them to the register and pay for them, Mm, you know? mm Yeah. So like, um, I'm in seven 11, I'm in a couple seven 11s, but like now I got to figure out what's going to get these people to pick these things up and pay for them. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Without so it's interesting. Them. I stand there and give them samples and like, Oh wow, these are great. Then they'll buy a bag. Mm-hmm. But, um, the random customer not always picking them up. And there are a couple more dollars than like the Cheez-Its, you know, or like the whatever snacks in there. They, they sell for 480 in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's more than a, a dollar 80 Snickers bar. Yeah. Yep. Again, so it goes back to that like conscious choice. People need to be seeking out the hemp seeds 
Um, okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that it's a franchise model uh, because then it's like they probably know other 7-Eleven franchise owners and kind of can slowly infiltrate your way in there. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, so have you, you've done like pop-ups at these stores where you're, where you're there providing education yeah. samples? Yeah. I'm like friends with the, the dudes that own the franchises now. They're like nice. awesome guys. Yeah. And they will pretty much let me come in like um, without a whole lot of notice and like set up a little sampling station and let me like, you know, talk to their customers and like, Honestly, dude, 7-Eleven is the biggest pizza shop in the entire world. Like, they sell so much pizza, um, and they sell so much hot food that, um, I, I mean, they're they're definitely the biggest restaurant in the world. They're, they're 50, 7-Eleven is, would be like a Forbes 50 company if they were public. Like, they're, they're mm. really big. Um, mm-hmm. And they sell a ton of pizza, a ton of these taquito things ton of soft drinks, some cigarettes, some vapes. Yeah, beer. whatever you want. You can get it from 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, Open in it all dish- hours. And dude, you know what? I got to say one more thing about 7-Eleven <laughs> is like it's a community place. Like you can go in there, use their microwave, wash your hands, use the bathroom. Um, the, the experience I've had – witnessing how the owners and the staff interacts with the general public, which can sometimes be rough in Austin is like heartwarming. Um, cool. And like, I'm proud to be in that store. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And something that I hadn't, uh, you know, until like the last couple of re- years ever even thought about, or I think ever even heard about coming from like a place of privilege. It was like the concept of a food desert. Like I've always had a car mm. since I've been able to dr- old enough to drive if I could go to the grocery store or when I lived in Boston, like hop on the train, pay a couple bucks to take the train, go to the grocery store, come back with my food. I, I didn't even understand kind of like the concept of a food desert. And so now I'm, I live in Worcester, Mass. And so public transport, and I was in Boston before public transportation in Worcester is not what it was in Boston. It's not as easy to get around. Some people literally do their grocery shopping at a store like Seven Eleven. Like they feed their family off of the food that they get at 7-Eleven because they can't go anywhere else. Like they legitimately, that's the only option. And I'm not saying that's the situation in Austin or or anywhere, but like generally in the United States, there's various different places that are like, that are classified as a food desert where there's a convenience store. And that's how people in that community get their food. And 98% of the products in that place are the Snickers bars, the Cheetos, the processed deli meats, those types of things. So I appreciate that you're kind of putting an emphasis on those types of stores in providing a much more nutritious product that that is a little bit more expensive, but it's still like, you know, as education grows around just, hey, this isn't just like a, you're not going to eat this all in one, in one sitting. This is multiple servings, pro, get your yeah. daily protein, all these different vitamins and minerals. So uh, I think that's uh, that's an awesome kind of strategy that you have going specifically targeting just convenience stores. Thank you. <clears throat> and like on that note, you know, um, it's a big bummer that food deserts exist. And um, I see a marked difference in my personality and in my interactions with others when I'm eating unhealthy versus when I'm eating healthy. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
I really do put a lot of emphasis on healthy food um, for all communities because like food is your fuel. If you're putting bad fuel in your body, um, you're not going to go very fast and um, you're not going to be very happy. I think in in a lot of, um, a lot of states of mind and like, Mm -hmm. uh, I think change your food, change your life. You know, I'm not a vegan. I I don't, I have been at times in my life. I'm not like ridiculously healthy. I had Cheez-Its last night and like things like that. But, um, if I'm eating unhealthy for a week or whatever, which I do sometimes, um, my productivity is garbage. My outlook on life is garbage. Um, and then if I just decide to eat some salads and a bunch of hemp seeds and even not, whatever, hemp seeds or not, if I'm eating good food, my body feels better. For people like us where we're in it every day, talking about hemp, learning about hemp, very passionate about it. It's like, why isn't this happening? Like, this is the information. A study is out that it reduces stress in cattle. Like every cow should be eating hemp. You know, it's like, it's easy to kind of get, uh, just go really o- overboard, I guess you could say with like, uh, expectations. Um, and so I, I'm almost on a daily basis, kind of like checking myself to be like, all right, yeah. this is like, it, this is a slow process. It's going to take time and it's going to take conversations like this and you doing pop-ups at Seven Eleven, teaching people or dropping stuff off to like a homeless population, giving them hemp seeds and me going into the park and teaching about industrial hemp and, and all these things. So it's like, a constant battle that I have with myself of, of getting too uh, like excited about stuff and then kind of checking myself at the same time. Totally. But like, <clears throat> imagine you didn't feel passion, you know, like imagine that like you were doing something that you didn't feel was like making the world better or like at least making your idea of the world better. You know, like I have many shitty days and like m- When I come back to, like, not to use a buzzword, but, like, my why of, like, what I'm doing and why I'm doing this, I'm like, okay, like, suck it up, dude. Make this phone call. Go out Mm -hmm. there. You know, like, I cannot imagine not having passion for what I'm doing. And, like, um, I'm grateful to, to be seeing this revival or, like, at least sensing that there's potential for revival. Yeah, no, that's something. Uh, that's actually something we trademarked for the for the hemp cl- clothing company that I have is the hemp revival, because like that's nice. how I explain it. Like someone in the park in Boston came up to me and is asking me a bunch of questions, and I'm like, oh yeah, I have a hemp clothing company and we manufacture clothing here. He's like, why do you manufacture it in the United States? Like you should manufacture it overseas. It's way cheaper. Asking me all these questions about like how much it costs me and all these things, and I was like because it's not just about making the lowest cost t-shirt. Like the intention is to revive the hemp industry in the United States. Like that's what the intention is. It's not to make a $10 t-shirt. Like that's out there. If you want that, that will, that's out there. It will always be out there. It's Mm -hmm. probably some, uh, like forced labor or potentially a slave labor situation, child labor, bad labor conditions. Like if you buy something that's super cheap, like it's, it's subsidized somewhere else along that supply chain. Like you might not know and you, it might be easy for you to 
uh, kind of remove that from like your thought process of when you're consuming or wearing that product. But like you're buying a $10 t-shirt, it was subsidized somewhere else, like at another human cost, most likely. So like just thinking about those things, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. But I haven't ever sat and thought about like how I would feel if I didn't have that passion. Cause it's kind of just like a natural thing. Like that's literally what gets me up to do mm -hmm. literally 90% of the things I do is because of that. So you've given me something to kind of ponder. And I, I at the end of the day, just kind of have like reinforce the appreciation and the gratitude that I have for being able to, to do what I'm doing and kind of play a role and meet people like you and, and help really kind of propel this whole thing forward after uh, a time that, you know, we shouldn't have to be doing this. This stuff never should have went anywhere. Like hemp seeds, yeah. this should be in it. Like hemp protein should be in all these things already. Like, so it's uh, I guess it's yeah. an opportunity at the end of the day for us too. Totally. And like on that note, you know, like this stuff that we would probably consider bad has only been going on for like a hundred years, you know? So it's like, okay, like this can be changed. Mm -hmm. you know? like, short time. Yeah. Um, and like, you gotta see the bad to understand what's better, you know? So like, I, I'm not like overly discouraged about, uh, I don't feel good that there's plastic in uh, the ocean and like in, in human blood, you know? Um, but uh, I do feel that like you can correct course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, you know, and everyone ticks differently, you know? So like some people, that guy that was asking you questions, like he might be a big human calculator. And like, he might only care about costs and that's what makes him tick in the morning, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. To change gears a little bit, talking about growing hemp, um, tell me, and I know this just started, um, but tell me a little bit more about plant some hemp, what the intention is with that um, and kind of what, what the story is with plant some hemp. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm really trying to walk the walk and um like you are get people to understand the power of the hemp plant and the environmental benefits of using hemp instead of uh, less eco-friendly materials so uh, i started a little not-for-profit called plant some hemp and my goal basically is to act as the one tree planted of industrial hemp so mm. i donate a couple cents from every one of my sales to this little fund and the goal is to basically collect funds go to land that's been damaged by agricultural cotton production or places that have just continuously grown xyz corn soybeans cotton um, and plant hemp fields measure the toxins that have been removed from the soil post hemp production and measure the carbon that's been sequestered and then utilize the biomass um, for hopefully things like wood chip burning power plants or for research or for uh, like biochar to be spread back on the fields to further regenerate soil um, or donate them to somebody looking to um like utilize more hemp stocks that might not have an economically viable way to do so until they're at scale you know mm -hmm. um and just put more hemp into the world and uh all the while sequester tons of carbon locally 
people don't know, but um, industrial hemp sequesters more carbon per square foot than the rainforest. So um, it's really easy for us to get um, fairly concerned knowing that like X amount of acres of rainforest are being cut down every day for like palm oil production or something like that. And um, we see the effects uh really easily in, in in a in a more dull sky that like okay less carbon is being sequestered and it's becoming an issue so um my goal for this is to give people a way to donate money or purchase a product that already sequesters carbon to go ahead and sequester more carbon and regenerate more soil mm-hmm. that's awesome comparing it to like the hemp version of one tree planted is impactful. I feel like it's an easy way just like in five seconds to be like, this is what it is. So that's unique. Cause that's like something I'm, I'm thinking about. So with, with the hemp clothing company, it's like, all right, how can we give back? How can we do these things? It's like, we need to get the company to a point where it's like sufficient so that we don't go out of business essentially so that we can like keep doing these things. But it's like, I've yeah. been thinking of, all right, what can we do? Like whether it's in our community or, um, externally, like what can we do, uh, philanthropically to give back, um, in one tree planted and, and, mm-hmm. and there's other companies like that. And, and I think it's, that's a popular thing. Like a lot of people do that. They put it on their, on their packaging and all these things. Um, so having a hemp version of that, I love that idea. Uh, so yeah. we might be, we might figure something well, out. Dude, like you're welcome to uh, give a couple cents of your yeah. sales to uh, <laughs> one plant some hemp, you know, and like hemp will be planted. Um, I'm planning to put some hemp in the ground spring of 2023. Um, and like, yeah, I want to have the stamp. I want to go to corporate America and say, Hey, uh, you are going to have to pay for the carbon that you emit this year. Mm. We are sequestering carbon. You can buy and get carbon credits from working with this organization Mm -hmm. and you will pay less to what is uh, basically the Paris Climate Accord. That's a deal that uh, makes companies responsible for the carbon that they emit. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to help corporations, help the word of hemp, help businesses like you and mine, like get further into it um, and do some good. Yeah, uh, that yeah. all just all of that the carbon credit market is uh, I don't know too much about it, but it seems like it's more progressed in um, Europe than it is right now in the, in the United States. But that's coming like ESG, all yeah. this like environmental social governance talk of these big major companies in the United States. It's like a very uh, hot button top or not hot button, but it's like a popular topic right now of companies putting out a 50 page report on everything they're doing to be sustainable and all this stuff. It's like, um, and, and there's two sides to the coin. Cause it's like, there's ways that companies could not change anything about their operations, but put a million dollars towards carbon credits. And it's like, Hey, we mm-hmm. zeroed out all our carbon. It's like, I'd like to see both. Like, I'd like to see you contribute to carbon recapturing programs and do act, actually change something about your business to make it like, better for for the environment for the people who work there and, and all stuff like that but again me kind of getting ahead of myself just slowly um yeah it's, it's coming. Like, yeah it's like one thing at a time and i think there's there's nothing more benefit like like you said hemp sequesters more carbon than any other plant or forest per acre like anywhere 
And I think bamboo is close, but bamboo doesn't have all the byproducts that hemp does. Like it doesn't, it makes the most sense to cultivate hemp mm -hmm. on a large scale, like for the safety and like of, of the country, really like the prosperity of the country. It's like what our founding fathers were saying, like in, in, we lost that a little bit in the past, in like the hundred yeah. years, like you said. So, uh, totally. that's cool. Like, that's cool. There's quotes of both Abraham Lincoln and George Washington saying like hemp should be sowed on every field possible. And like, take hemp seriously because it has the potential to like do everything, you know, like yeah. it's been nothing. for like, yeah. For like the health of the yeah. nation and security of yeah, the exactly. nation, all these things. Yeah. You should put that on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. All right. So to, to wrap up, uh, where I know we talked a little bit about Seven Eleven and, and these things, but like, where can people find you? Where can people find cousin hemp in person and on the interwebs? Thank you. Uh, www.cousinhemp.com, um, at Cousin Hemp on all platforms. And, um, I will be at a bunch of farmer's markets around Austin. Um, I'm working to get into places like Whole Foods, HEB, grocery stores in the Northeast, um, Everywhere I can, basically, where people are buying hemp, I'm trying to get to um, and just get the seeds out there. And, um, yeah, this has been great, dude. I've had fun talking about this. This is my first time really uh, chatting on a podcast. So I'm on nice. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, no, dude, this has been cool. You're cool. a good interviewer. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. This is uh, This is the first one as well that I've kind of – done the interview been on the other side so i appreciate your time i appreciate learning more about cousin hemp and kind of your reason for doing things and some of the background and uh i'll put all the links to all that stuff in the description of the video um so this will be on youtube and then i'll just put the audio on spotify google Podcasts, all that stuff i'll put your social uh links and and all that stuff will be in the description of the video so uh anything any other final parting words hemp hemp hooray <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks, man. Great talking to you. Word. Peace, Matt.